Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Reports confirming Russia interfered in our election and that the president lied to the American people. Plus, North Korea throws cold water on the upcoming summit, and the president of the United States described our fellow human beings as animals. We take in a flood of news and attempt to see the bigger picture. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. In theory, this is our shorter episode, but I'll be real with y'all. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm pretty riled up, so it's going to be a long, long episode. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, we are in the middle of our Patreon membership drive at patreon.com forward slash Politics. For those of you who don't know, you can go to Patreon and pledge monthly support for Pantsuit Politics. It is really important to us. We spend a lot of time researching episodes. We have rearranged our lives to be able to commit more time to this community and to the work that we believe in as a part of Pantsuit Politics, which is civic conversations, thinking about what our country stands for, what our values are, how we talk to each other, how we treat each other. And that work that we've really dedicated our lives in this community to takes a lot of time and takes a lot of money. And so we really need your financial support to keep growing the podcast, to keep doing our work and to keep spreading this message that we both believe in so much. 
So you can go to patreon.com forward slash pantsuit and pledge any level of support from a dollar up to a hundred dollars monthly support to the show. You get all kinds of levels of perks from best nightly nuance, which is pretty awesome. I, I did my first nightly nuance this week. It's pretty fun. It was terrific. Thank you. Thank you. We t- I talked about the sports betting decision case. Um, learned a lot myself, which was really helpful. Um, and then we also just post lots of different pictures, parts about our lives, additional conversations on Patreon. And then we're also going to be sending out swag to any new members or members who subscribe during the membership drive. And depending on your level of support, you could get a Pants Politic magnet or a sticker or pantsuit politics branded earbud cases which we're very excited about so if you're interested in supporting our work and our mission in the show please go to patreon.com forward slash pantsuit politics thank you guys a hard thing about a week like this i think is that when you're overwhelmed with news you can become very desensitized to what that news is and so i think part of what we want to do today is not so much detail everything that has unfolded this week but say okay as citizens How can we understand and process everything that's unfolded? Because for me, I think what happens when we laundry list, when we do this, oh my gosh, we're drinking from a water hose, this flood of news, which is true. That's, That's accurate. But when we do that, that becomes the story. And for me, as I look over the stories and reports and, you know, happenings from particularly yesterday, I think it is so important that we not just react, but that we take a moment to respond and we take a moment to think about what these stories say about us as a people and as a country, what they say about the state of our world, the world for ourselves, for our children, because this stuff is really important. The fact that the Senate Foreign Intelligence Committee confirmed the findings of our intelligence community that Russia interfered in our election in favor of Donald Trump is not something we just want to try to swim through as quickly as we can. That's a big deal. I, you know, I think that one of the big stories coming around is that, you know, Robert Mueller has been investigating this for a year. It's been a year. Rudy Giuliani wants to crow about, oh, well, it's just time's up, time's up, blah, 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 blah. And it's, we're so inundated with this that it's like, we almost can't just take a second and think, oh my God, like Russia interfered in our election. They spent money and time and intelligence resources to come over here and make sure that Donald Trump was elected president. More than that, to me, it's that we have had for some time and now have confirmed a real lack of ambiguity around that. Those Mm -hmm. are the facts. More concerning to me than a foreign power's intervention in our election is that we have Americans defending it Mm -hmm. and that we have Americans trying to undermine reporting about it. And we have Americans trying to ensure that no other Americans are implicated in it. When we are turning against ourselves in this way, that's what really grabs my attention. And that's exactly what they wanted. That's the goal. Mission accomplished. You know what? Vladimir Putin should get himself one of those signs. Yeah. Mission like George W. Bush, mission accomplished. And that is terrifying. That is terrifying. And we all have a role. You know, everybody likes to talk about 
the military and unified purpose. Well, here's our purpose, you guys. Like, if you want to be a part of defending America, then stop talking about your fellow Americans like that. Stop trying to spin reality to your party's favor. Because if you want to fight back against a foreign power, one that's trying to defeat this grand experiment, then that's how you can do it. Not to get like total World War II patriotic purpose, but like forget your victory garden. Stop talking about your fellow Americans like they're dogs because that's what they wanted and they succeeded and they are continuing to succeed. So if you want to defend this country, if you want to do your patriotic duty, stop. Just stop. I strongly agree with that. And I think the good news in what came out from the Senate Foreign Intelligence Committee is that there are institutions that are holding in mm. the face of this. The FBI and the CIA, while flawed and problematic mm-hmm. as they might be sometimes, have done their jobs. The Senate, while flawed and problematic and disappointing as it sometimes is, ultimately, you know, the truth prevailed in the Senate, right? They they are mm-hmm. saying what is and saying it without a lot of spin. I mean, Richard Burr, is a pretty no-nonsense guy, and this was a pretty no-nonsense day. And mm-hmm. I think that that is encouraging. It was a good day for the United States Senate overall, I would say. The Senate Judiciary Committee also released thousands of pages of documents related to the 2016 meetings at Trump Tower. Some very suspicious parts of those documents, like this block number Donald Jr. is calling all the time but doesn't remember who it is, or if his father has a block number, which I believe to be a lie. And the Senate passed the net neutrality A Republican Senate passed a net neutrality bill in direct opposition to the Republican president's administration. So that's something. It's a big something. Mm -hmm. Let me detour for a second. I was out with a couple last night. We were playing trivia and the conversation somehow turned to Merrick Garland. And someone at the table said, I just want to know how that can happen. And this wasn't like a partisan conversation at all. It was about as neutral as as a discussion about politics can be. Just in earnest, how does it happen? And what is to stop it from happening again? And what is what is to ever encourage the Senate to confirm a judicial nominee? Could they just sit forever? And as we were talking about it, what kept coming up for me is that our system has so many accountability mechanisms. But it really doesn't contemplate a Senate that doesn't function. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't contemplate accountability for a Senate that will not adhere to its constitutional responsibilities. And I think the reason that Merrick Garland is a very big deal and that the filibusters are a big deal and that so much of what's happened in the Senate matters is because of that. The only real accountability mechanism we have on the Senate is voting. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to do that very often with the Senate for good reasons. Mm -hmm. But it also causes a lot of problems. And so that is why I'm trying to scoot back into a positive point here. To me, the Senate getting its act together And being responsive to public concerns, because that is all that net neutrality vote is, right? Mm -hmm. Left to their own devices, a lot of those folks would have ideological quarrels with net neutrality. And I understand those quarrels. You and I have talked about how this is not a black and white issue for either of us. But the public 
I think, strongly has a view on net neutrality that was represented yesterday. I mean, hooray, right? Like there's some good news in all the things that happened yesterday, as overwhelming as it seems. Well, and here is what I want to say about the Senate, tying several other stories into this line of examination. So we have the Senate Foreign Intelligence Committee confirming that Russia interfered in our election in Donald Trump's favor. We have the Senate Judiciary Committee releasing documents to the level at which the Trump campaign was colluding in that interference. We have President Trump financial disclosures confirming that he lied both about his relationship with Stephanie Clifford and the knowledge of payments made to keep her quiet. We have Ronan Farrow reporting from the New Yorker magazine on suspicious activity reports. So Michael Cohen set up a bank account right before the election. It seems he set it up to make this payment to Stephanie Clifford's. The bank then noticed several suspicious activity reports because he said he set this this account up for real estate consulting based largely in the United States. The bank noticed almost immediately that there were large payments not having to do with real estate and not focused in the United States. Okay, so they filed several suspicious activity reports. The one that was released that we were all talking about a few weeks ago was outline payments from AT&T, Novartis, and the firm linked to the Russian oligarch Victor Vexelberg, okay? There were two other reports outlined $3 million worth of transactions, way more than the money we were talking about last week, that have gone missing. And this law enforcement official released the document because of their concern that these other suspicious activity reports have gone missing. Now, these are routine reports. They don't prove criminal conduct. But the fact that they were missing was so suspicious to this person, this official, that they are now risking federal charges that can be $250,000 in fines and five years in jail, okay? So this is very suspicious and linked together with all these documents between the Senate Judiciary Committee and confirmation that Russia interfered and that the president lies. I understand that Robert Mueller's investigation has gone on for a year. I understand that the Mueller team is saying that they could not indict a sitting president, that the Justice Department cannot indict a sitting president, but the House of Representatives and the Senate can. The House of Representatives can bring articles of impeachment and the Senate can convict. So back to our original point about our our institutions holding and uh, upcoming elections, I sure hope that we are all putting pressure on our elected officials to say that we are depending on them to hold these institutions to their duties and to hold our elected officials, even those at the very top, responsible for their behavior. I continue to be amazed that the Trump legal team has decided to attack the time this investigation is taking. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And and on a day like yesterday, when there's all this additional information, oh, well, time's up to take a year. Like there's some sort of expiration date. And also, if I'm the president and I want to govern without a cloud. He describes it as a cloud, right? So I will. If I want to govern without that cloud, isn't my best line to say they need to do their diligence? They need to turn over every rock. They need to look at everything. And meanwhile, the people's business continues. It doesn't seem hard to me to manage from a public relations perspective. What I mean, but you're saying that about Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I mean, hard from a public relations perspective is like not in his wheelhouse. Well, all of these figures surrounding President Trump at this point don't really have a play other than to do whatever the president thinks wins the day. Mm. And we've talked about this before. I think your point in our last episode about the difference between thinking tactically and thinking strategically is really important. The problem is, especially on the international stage, other people still think strategically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is the real, I think, crisis around John Bolton in his role. Because John Bolton is not unknown to the rest of the world. Right. Now, I am not, and let me be very clear about this, I am not siding with North Korea in a dispute with this administration. All day, every day, I'm an American. And I have a huge amount of distrust for Kim Jong-un. I think his regime is terrible. I think it oppresses his people. I think he's committed unspeakable human rights violations. So I want to be really clear about the fact that I hope and pray for President Trump's success in this negotiation with North Korea. I don't care what motivates it. I have a theory that North Korea is an untapped market for a lot of transactions and that that might be what is motivating this whole adventure. But I don't care. I wish everybody lots of success and lots of money making if it gets us to a more peaceful world. Having said that, I also can understand if I were on the North Korean side of this negotiation, Mm -hmm. how the idea that someone like John Bolton, who is walking around openly saying that I should behave as a Libyan dictator who is no longer alive behaved in dealing with the United States. And there's a clear record in history of how all of that went down. I'm probably not interested in a real discussion. I don't think they were ever interested in a real discussion. I think think that they saw their moment to achieve some sort of um, respectability on the world stage to that. All he's ever wanted is to stand in a room with the president of the United States to show that they are equal in sort of value and respect in a global environment. And, but again, also what you said is true. Why should they trust us? The denuclearization of Libya happened under George W. Bush, right? George W. But Libya saw the writing on the wall with Iraq and said, okay, let's work this. Maybe we can under their dictator, Muammar Gaddafi. Let's, let's hand over our nuclear weapons and get some respectability from the West. They did that, and then under Obama, with the support of Secretary Clinton, they then bombed Libya and emboldened rebels who overthrew Gaddafi and killed him. Okay, let's just assume, let's give benefit to the doubt to Obama that they weren't really seeing how this would play out with other people looking to denuclearize. And so then they tried desperately to do the right thing with Iran. Okay, so we will we will work through this with a long diplomatic process. We will take years through the JCPOA and we'll get all this done. And then look what happened. Another president rolled in and shredded it. Why would they have any reason to trust us in the handing over of their nuclear weapons if you look at history with Libya and Iran? Why? Why would they? I think that's right. And I think that when we look at history, we also have to ask ourselves about what we think we are doing in the Middle East this week. In fact, 
I've started watching The Looming Tower on your recommendation, Sarah. And every night I get myself all worked up before I go to sleep, which is probably not the best strategy. But I keep thinking about how isn't the honest-to-goodness lesson of history that not much good comes of Western intervention in the Middle East, or Soviet Mm. for that matter, right? Or Russian intervention in the Middle East. Or English or French. Right. We can go back. We can keep going back. Right. It is just that this area of the world has been a stage for a lot of drama that has not a lot to do with it sometimes to play out, creating opportunities for more drama and more violence. And so when the United States can't even urge restraint in the use of force in the Middle East, I don't I don't know where we think we're going. I don't understand what overall our trajectory is. And to circle that back to your point at the outset, as Americans, you know, the situation in Libya is a good example. It happened partially under the Bush administration and partially under the Obama administration. And while our decision-making has some negative consequences, I'm not ready to say that anybody was wrong or that anybody was doing anything other than their best Mm -hmm. for the most part in connection with those actions. And isn't that where we need to be as Americans? We can have disagreement, but foreign policy for the most part shouldn't be partisan. We -hmm. should have an understanding as a country of what impacts us and what we're trying to do in the world. I've been thinking a lot. I did a nightly nuance this week about water and about how Cape Town is having to ask people to use the equivalent of three or four toilet flushes of water a day. Mm. That is not a partisan problem. We have so many problems coming our way, happening now in connection with plastic and toxic chemicals and conservation that are not partisan. Let us all day disagree vigorously among ourselves about things like charter schools. We should do that. It is important and we should do it. But we should do it fundamentally starting with the premise that we're all participants in this country together, that we're all on equal footing to talk about these issues with one another. And we ultimately believe that we all want what's best. And my fear about everything that's coming out this week, I think that a united America can handle whatever happens in the world. I genuinely believe that. My concern is that we are not behaving that way right now and that, in fact, we're going in the opposite direction. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. 
and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit. I agree with you. I think we can handle anything in the world if we have leaders that understand the strategic importance of these things. One of the best things I've read on North Korea was Washington Post did a thing and they called it diplotainment, that Donald Trump is so tied up in this plot line of I'm going to get peace in North Korea that North Korea is increasingly holding all the sort of bargaining capacity because he's put so much political capital into this. He can't just walk away, even though he swears that he will. And this is not something that happens really quickly, right? It took years to do the JCPOA. And this idea that we're just going to, you know, film all these things and get people invested. And then we'll just turn around this peace process. It'll be great really rapidly, you know, before as the season finale is not the best bargaining position to enter into this complex of a negotiation. I think that's a really good point. And and that's it, right? It's so much like, let's win the day. And that's all that matters. And then let's win tomorrow. And let's win the next day. But I'm not sure that there's ever a sense of those pieces coming together. And it's almost like everyone who wants to put those pieces together is just a hater, loser, witch hunter, whatever. Well, and I think that you see this sort of diplotainment playing out with Israel and Palestine as well. One of our listeners, Jessica, 
emailed us after our discussion about the embassy in Jerusalem on Tuesday that we have had a consulate in Jerusalem and that this change while big in policy was rather small from a facility perspective. Well, I don't know specifics. I expect that the new embassy is simply the consulate with a small amount of renovation, including an office for the ambassador. She says that it, you don't build even small buildings, take a couple years, start to finish. So they basically, you know, they, they reality TV'd it, right? They came in, they made it shiny new, they put up a plaque, they revealed the plaque and had their event. Meanwhile, people are being, unarmed people are being shot and killed at the border less than an hour away. And that's the that's the diplotainment that we saw in Israel. And our resident Middle East expert, Carrie Anderson, also emailed us after our discussion on Monday, and I wanted to share her point about Netanyahu. She says, I think Israel's notably Netanyahu's hostility toward Iran and the JCPOA is driven more by security concerns and especially domestic politics. In this email, Carrie had previously made the point that she thinks the economies are so different. She's not sure how much is motivated by economics. Israelis have very valid security concerns about Iran, which plays a significant role in funding Hezbollah, undeniably a security problem for Israel, increasingly possesses a threat via Syria and has missiles, I'm taking conventional here, not nuclear, capable of reaching Israel, all plus a habit of threatening Israel. Iranian funding for Hamas is a real thing, but far more complicated and often overemphasized by people who have an interest in closely linking Iran and Hamas. Some Israelis with security expertise believe the JCPOA is was in Israel's security interest, as obviously an Iranian nuclear weapon would not be in Israel's security interest. Others disagreed with the JCPOA because they want to keep a focus on isolating Iran and maintaining support for any potential Israeli strikes on Iran. However, most important, Netanyahu maintains power in large part by focusing attention on Iran's threat rather than the security and political threats of Israel of leaving the Palestinian issue unresolved and other problems, i.e. corruption, and has received a big political boost by persuading Trump to leave the JCPOA. We can debate how much credit he should get, but in Israel, he gets lots, and that might be fair. As you know, he has been in serious hot water in Israeli politics, and his focus on Iran as the enemy and his apparent influence with the Trump administration, both regarding Iran and the embassy, might be exactly what saves him. Anyway, Netanyahu has major personal political interest in highlighting Iran as the enemy and in calling for the U.S. to pull out of the JCPOA. You know, the question to me is, at what point does anyone making decisions not have major personal political interest in making those decisions? Mm. And I think but I think that's right. You know, keeping everybody afraid of Iran and saying, look at the, all this good work we're doing. Meanwhile, this, the you know, hopeless Palestinians with nothing to lose flooding over the border in Gaza is a security interest for Israelis. Surely that's not something that everyone can't see. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why putting people in such a hopeless position, hopeless people are dangerous. Well, it's as simple to me as the press briefing the other day where reporters gave the deputy press secretary opportunity after opportunity to say the United States thinks Israel should be careful, essentially, in who they shoot. Right. But we wouldn't say it. We wouldn't say it. We just said we think this is we think this is Hamas, which mm. means what? Grab your guns. I don't you know, but we just won't we won't do the right thing. This is a little bit of a stretch, but I was I've been troubled. We both read the Politico playbook. And this is not a criticism of the Politico playbook, which I think tries to just call it like it is. But for the past several days, like it is, has been pretty depressing. And there are so many instances where Politico is saying, look, Trump can try to do a new NAFTA 
But how's he going to get that through right before an election? And then if Democrats take the House, what would their incentive be to work Mm. with him? Or if Democrats don't take the House, what's their incentive to work with this administration? And then lots of like, why would Republicans take this risk and advance the election? Why aren't Republicans listening to the Republican leadership about not trying to work on immigration right now? And all of it is framed in horse race partisan terms. And again, I do not fault Politico. I fault the fact that that is how we think about everything. And I think the deputy press secretary's refusal to say that Israel should restrain itself is 100% about winning the day's news cycle with a very specific group of people. Just like I think Netanyahu's decision-making is about winning the day with a very specific group of people. And I just, I want anybody to care about the rest of it. What are the ramifications and the consequences? The people who, I don't know how those um, suspicious activity reports are missing, going back to Michael Cohen, but if you're involved in that, maybe you win the day, but what do you think is the long-term consequence of that? And that's where I think we should transition to the president's language about illegal crossings on the border, because I think it's related to the language about Israel and people crossing there and the refusal to say we should not shoot unarmed people crossing a border. So in a meeting about immigration policy, when speaking about illegal crossings on our border, the president said, these aren't people, these are animals. And I, this is the hill I will die on. I'm so upset about this. How dare he? How dare we allow our leaders as people of faith, as human beings, as parents, as partners, as community members, as family members, as fellow Americans, talk about another human being as an animal? When we talk about the lessons of history, what else do you need to know? This is how it always starts. This is how it always starts. Starts, we decide that other people aren't human beings, that they are not deserving of basic human dignity. And I, when we look at what happened in Gaza and when we look at our administration all but completely halting the flow of refugees, refugees, people with nowhere else to go, with no one else, nowhere else to take their children. And we look at plans to separate children from their families because they crossed our borders illegally to put them on military bases or quote unquote, whatever. Is this the country we want to live in? Is this what we want to look at our own children and say, this is what we stood by and let happen? Because I don't. This is not what I want. This is not what America stands for. We are not far from our own border. Are we just going to, do we decide then that because they're animals, we can shoot unarmed people crossing our borders or we can round them up and round separate them from their children and treat them in all manners of inhumane ways? Where does it stop? Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, 
And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before. One of the best pieces of advice about marriage I ever got was from a minister who said, when you are looking at the person you want to spend your life with, you need to make sure that you laugh together often and not at the expense of others. And what that advice meant to me and has continued to mean to me as I've thought about it many, many times over the course of my life is that you don't bond with other people by otherizing another group right? You don't bond in your marriage over making fun of your neighbors. You don't bond in your workplace by talking trash about coworkers. And I think we can't bond as Americans over the way we talk about immigrants. And the context of this conversation was with a sheriff who is very frustrated about being stuck in a web of 
state and federal laws that don't make a lot of sense, that the sheriff felt prevent the police department from appropriately sharing information with law enforcement officials from a sheriff who has concerns about violent crime. That does not mean that we go to these people are animals. But the attempt from President Trump, that's what this remark was about. He was not thinking in the terms that you're thinking, right, Sarah? He And this is not an excuse for him. I mean, that's that's a problem. I don't think he ever thinks about the import of his words. He was using this as a way to bond with the person in front of him. To win the favor of the room, this was his attempt at empathy, I think, for what he was hearing. And that is not the way, that's building our democracy on a foundation of sand. If we are bonding with each other only at the expense of other groups of people, we're lost. We're nowhere. That is an America that cannot meet any challenge that the world presents to it, I think. We have got to return to bonding over ideas instead of over, well, instead of bonding at the expense of other people. And we can bond over threats. We have threats. One of them, for example, is Russia interfering in our 2016 election. Like we can bond over real threats and those threats could come from other groups of people. That is a thing that could happen. I believe it is currently happening. We have real issues, real threats. Dehumanization is not necessary to meet that threat. It just isn't. That's right. And bonding over that threat doesn't mean every Russian is terrible. It doesn't mean we turn on our friends and neighbors who came to the United States from Russia. It doesn't mean that any group of people is our enemy. That is bonding over an idea. Mm -hmm. That is bonding over the idea that our elections are worth safeguarding, that our democracy is worth preserving, that people should vote on good information and free of influence that they don't understand. So that that's right. I mean, that's the kind of bonding that is central to having any kind of national identity. That's what I think is so incredibly frustrating about everything that's happening right now. And I wish that we could all see this, whatever party we're in or, or whomever we voted for. When an administration consistently acts at odds with what it says it's about, whether that happens in the business that you're a part of or in your country. That is maddening. And what's maddening to me is that I think the president won in part by appealing to the idea that we need a sense of national identity. Mm. But we don't have that sense of national identity right now. In fact, the president today has tweeted about essentially calling half the country losers. And so, so we're not developing that. We're just doing this equivalent of mean girls in the White House, right? Let's trash everybody else and, and bond our group more closely through doing that. And and the drain the swamp and then every every piece of reporting that comes out says, nope, the swamp has never been more alive, right? Mm. The the level of money changing hands for influence is thriving. It's just the disconnect between what has been promised and what's been delivered it it feels purposefully insulting to all of us. Mm-hmm. I just look at all of this and it's so frustrating because if we are going to bond over a shared identity, then shouldn't that be based in values? And can we not agree on basic human dignity for anyone who crosses our borders, legally or illegally? Can we not agree that w- 
Give us your tired. Give us your weary. Those are our values and that refugees with nowhere else to take their children deserve a place in America. I just, it's so, you know, it's why I know we get caught in this trap because the stakes feel so high. And if you, we can't seem to agree on just the basics, just the basics. And I fully understand that huge groups of people will listen to what you just said and what I've been saying and say, America's never been that. Mm. No argument from me, okay? We've never gotten it right. Having an ideal is aspirational, and we need to mm-hmm. do better. And we do need to reckon with our history. We do need to mm-hmm. be honest about how we've treated our true tired and poor mm-hmm. for a long time and how we're treating our tired and poor today. Today. Again, those are ideas that we can bond over. We can choose to circle around those ideals again. And and we might have differences in what that translates to as a matter of policy. And good, we should. Another enormous problem I have with this administration is the elimination of any disagreement. Disagreement is healthy and necessary. Nothing good happens if a group of people are standing around congratulating themselves on their brilliance. So we need that. It is it is fair to have criticism for American ideals and still think that those are the ideals that we should be aspiring to domestically and on the world stage. It's hard to close out a conversation like this because it because it doesn't close, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like we've achieved anything or completed anything or solved anything and that's frustrating. I think that that's necessary though. Like, I think that's the way, to your point at the beginning, Sarah, to respond instead of react, to just kind of sit with Mm -hmm. a whole host of things, some of them very positive, like our institutions holding, and some of them very disappointing and very scary, and to just be in that and be reflecting on what do I want to do first with my vote, because I think that is our most immediate action as citizens coming up. And second, with the level of accountability I impose in connection with that vote. And then in the meantime, like just in our lives, practicing laughing often and bonding, not at the expense of others. So constant vigilance and hold the center. <laughs> sounds, like right. military, sounds like military cues, but listen, I think that's right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pantsu Politics during tough times. That's what we try to do here on this podcast, and we appreciate your listening and your ongoing support. We will be back on Tuesday with another episode. And until then, we know it's a big ask, but keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Support for Pantsuit Politics comes from our listeners. We especially appreciate our executive producers, George Niedermeyer, Tracy Pidoff, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. Our theme music was written and performed by Dante Lima. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Subscribe and leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Player and follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic and Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics.